Welcome, everyone, to another Connection Tech Experience podcast. James Hilliard here, leveraging advanced technologies to modernize manufacturing. That is what we're going to be focusing on here today. We've got some stories to share about how others have approached this journey and how Connection, NVIDIA, and Lenovo have helped them and can assist you. So let's get into it. Our panel today, Blake Kerrigan. He is the Senior Director for Think Edge Business Group at Lenovo. We have Zihan Wang on board with us from NVIDIA. He's the Global Business Development Manager. And rounding out our panel, Ryan Spur, Manufacturing Strategy Director at Connection. Again, folks, we're going to be telling some stories. Before we get to those stories and journeys, I just want to talk uh, with this team at, at the highest level, the idea of the journey of modernization. And, and Ryan, is there one or two trends, issues that you can look at across the whole of manufacturing. And I'm talking agriculture. I'm talking packaging. I'm talking consumer goods. I'm talking aerospace, pharma, anyone that's manufacturing anything. Are there a couple high-level trends that are leading these manufacturing teams to really recognize the need to modernize today? Yeah, I think there's there's at least a couple macro trends that we're seeing in manufacturing today. The first is really workforce challenges. And, you know, if you look at the data, 72% of manufacturers think the top challenge is attracting and retaining a quality workforce. And, you know, before the pandemic, there used to be statistics like 2 million jobs required by 2020. Well, we've come and gone past that. And post-pandemic, now they're predicting 4 million jobs are going to need be needed by 2023. And as many as 2.1 million are going to go unfilled. So this is a significant challenge for manufacturers. And even if you look at today's market, you know, we're sort of in the bottom of a manufacturing cycle where we usually see manufacturers have the upper hand and gaining access and attracting talent. And they're still struggling. So, you know, uh, when we think about workforce challenges, they're perhaps at their worst ever. And the question really is, where are manufacturers going to get the people, resources and the skill sets that are required today, but also... Uh, as the markets return, as growth returns, and as demands higher than ever before. So I think uh, workforce challenges, how we address that, how we augment that with technologies, a huge portion of this. I think the other, the other sort of macro trend is, you know, manufacturers are under increased or significant pressure to reduce costs. Uh, supply chains are demanding faster time to market and delivery of better and higher quality products. So I think you know, these are trends we've seen for years in certain sub-industries like aerospace, you know, automotive, certain uh, consumer goods industries and to, to primes like Walmart and others. But I think, you know, what we're starting to see is that uh, the marketplace and certain primes are aware of what capabilities out there and they're expecting more from their suppliers and they're expecting their suppliers and manufacturers to invest and radically change how they do business. Blake, what else is pushing towards this modernization need? Well, I think, you know, Ryan nailed it on the head. You know, from our perspective at Lenovo, I think there's this overwhelming uh, limitation of resources. Um, you know, you can you can define resources in a couple of different categories, but typically it's, um, you know, what type of, um, you know, human capital do you have? Uh, what type of, uh, you know, uh, machinery or automation equipment do you do you employ? Um within your environment. Um, but then also, how do you, you know, the, the, the big trend is, is, you know, how do you supplement that, right? How do we augment uh, people within the workforce? Uh, because, you know, I think people are being asked to do more and more, um, you know, and, and create, um, 
obviously uh, an increase of efficiency of, of workflow, but then also how do you deliver that in a safe and secure manager uh, manner rather? Um, so I, I think there's, uh, you know, manufacturers are, are wrestling with um, the idea of a, a shortened or augmented labor force. Um, they're presented with the opportunity of great new technologies like artificial intelligence, whether it's generative AI or computer vision inference. Um, and I think for the most part, they're, they're a little bit overwhelmed, right? They're, they're battling quite a few uh, challenges. And I think, you know, at, at Lenovo, we're, we're, we're hoping to help these manufacturers kind of, uh, again, augment that workforce, but do it in a, a, a safe manner, right? Um, so, so you, you know, those are the, the big trends uh, that, that we kind of see uh, from our customer base. And Zihan, I, I want to hear from you as well, anything that these guys missed at those big macro trends. But I will also add, what I heard was a little more on the business side, right? The you need to do more with less, the monetary. Is there also a technological from the technical folks on our teams, their desires to modernize? What are they hoping for? Yeah, uh, Ryan and Blake covered a lot of the good points. Uh, also, one uh, trend I uh, observe is uh, sustainability from the manufacturing perspective, especially around uh, energy conservation, leveraging alter- uh, new energy sources clean energy sources, as well as uh, to take care of a worker safety and uh, ergonomics, right, using different technologies. And uh, to your point, from a technology perspective, I do see engineers' desire to do several things. First is to really speed up the product design uh, cycle, meaning they want to have the shorter R&D cycle and uh, get the uh, products to market faster. Uh, good thing is that there are already very many design software available, and says Siemens Altair does so. Leveraging those uh, simulation softwares, engineers can really speed up their design cycles on a workstation or in a server rather than doing prototypes and back and forth uh, corrections. And all those uh, softwares or tools are accelerated by GPUs. And uh, the other uh, trend from a technical perspective is to really implement deep learning-based solutions into manufacturing processes, especially on the shop floor. We've seen trends of leveraging computer vision technologies and the time series analysis technologies to really help inspect defects and help predict uh, equipment downtime. And what you've helped surface there is the desire to innovate. And right now we've got, we're at such an uh, inflection point of the emergence of AI is going to and is helping organizations innovate faster. Uh, I think about the manufacturing front and the adoption of digital twins to your point of not having to uh, do all these prototypes in real time. And, oh, no, this doesn't work. Throw it away, lost resources, time, et cetera. We can do that. But we have to have the hardware, the software, the compute to be able to do all of that. So Ryan, on that front, in terms of dealing with these such data-rich environments that manufacturing brings, what are these teams looking for? What do they want to do in terms of AI and uh, to be able to embrace digital twins and everything? They have to go back and look at all the gear they have and the technology have to see if they can even handle 
this newer end. And I'm assuming that's where some of the challenges are because a lot of these organizations, you could have a manufacturer that's 100 years old. You could be having a manufacturer that's 40 years old, but their equipment might be 20 years old. Some of the OT uh, in state has has been there forever. And so they've got a lot they have to kind of look through and need help on that. What are you seeing? How are you helping folks address those challenges? Yeah, you know, Zeon and I talk quite frequently. And I think one of the things that Zeon was kind of hinting at is this concept of the value stream, right? I mean, sometimes we get hyper-focused on particular areas of process, you know, what are we doing here in a work cell and how do we accomplish that today? We get very myopic. And I think, you know, one of the things probably Zeon, uh, Blake and I would agree on is this idea that we need to kind of open up our aperture, right? Um, How do we bring value incrementally across many different parts of the value stream so that we're shedding, you know, hours or days off of how we bring products uh, to our customers and how do we create market differentiation? And and, you know, part of that is reevaluating sort of how we do how, what those processes look like today. And as you put it, James, the technology that's involved. I mean, the, the, one of the exciting things of today's time is not only do these new software suites and capabilities that Zihan were talking about exist, you don't have to go and, and necessarily recreate them. You just have to adopt them. Um, but also the, the underlying technology. So some of the things that kind of Blake was talking about, like how do we take uh, the advancements in GPUs? How do we take all the efforts that companies like Novo had done in collaboration with uh, NVIDIA around integrating their, OE, you know, their products uh, with these GPUs so that we can accelerate the kinds of technologies that are available today and deliver economically feasible solutions that do shed hours and days off that value stream. And, and these are things that, you know, if we can do these and do these multiple times across different points in the value stream, you're talking about this sort of like compounded effect that fundamentally creates uh, market differentiate for duration, uh, differentiation. It, it can dramatically take cost out of our, out of our business. And of course it can support uh, better, better solutions to our customers, brand impact and things of this nature. Blake, I want to dive into, uh, we'll get to some stories here in a little bit, because I think those are, are going to be useful for teams to hear. However, we only got time for a couple stories, so it might not hit every type of uh, manufacturer out there. So I want to see if you have kind of an across the board view of what are some of the leading cutting edge manufacturers doing? What can we learn from them in terms of how they have been approaching this? And this is a little bit, before we get into the tech, it's a little bit of the mentality uh, conversation here. Who are they bringing together? How are they getting everyone to be on the same page to see uh, a lot of change, little changes in a lot of places all at the same time are going to add to this modernization push instead of just, here's one project and we do this and this will get us there. Yeah, look, I think it's a great question, and I'll try to I'll try to answer that without a technical response. But uh, it's in my nature, right? Um, I, I think if you take a step back and you, you you just look at you know at least as far as my domain, when we, we look at the, the the landscape of edge computing, which is vast, right? There's there's really two key drivers in terms of that 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 is accelerating the adoption. The first one is this idea of consolidation of workloads. So you can see this in a number of different verticals, but when you really double click on it in manufacturing, when you go in and you sit down with a manufacturer and you start talking about IoT, pretty much everybody in the OT organization is going to probably laugh at you, right? Because manufacturers have been doing IoT and M2M for close to 60 years now. You know, none of this stuff is really new. It's, it's what they eat, drink, and sleep. But there's this idea of being able to... Uh, 
create a software-defined architecture that would support automation, right? So you have common control planes, you get into a space where um, you have consolidation of the actual processes, but then also the data that they capture. So that's the one side of the accelerating fact is, hey, there's this great TCO and ROI story. The second side or the flip side of that is this idea of being able, able to accelerate workloads locally, right? So when we're taking, um, maybe it's it's uh, streaming uh, binary data off of a packaging machine, right, where we can improve efficiency or we can predict failures. Um, you can even go a little bit beyond that, right? When you start to open the aperture around accelerated workloads, you start to think about all of these great buzzwords like computer vision and uh, machine learning, uh, predictive analytics, all of these great things. Today, um, you know, un, you know, it's pretty common across the different verticals. But but what this presents is again this idea that at any point in a manufacturing process, you have the ability to perform AI in a virtualized environment on just about any piece of data or any pool of data, um, and the power of that is extremely compelling. So I think what we're seeing is that a lot of manufacturers are really starting to embrace this. Um, you know, th this common data lake or common local source of grounded truth uh, that they can actually perform analysis on. And I think once you get past the idea of having siloed applications of automation and you start to think about it more horizontally, um, you know, the, the opportunities for, for, for driving new business outcomes, uh, whether it's efficiency, uh, improved, improved productivity, or even safety, I mean, they're endless, right? So, um, I, I think that's a, a big area where, where we kind of tend to focus. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's this idea that, you know, you, you consolidate today, you accelerate tomorrow, right? So, so I think that's a, 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 an area where we're starting to see people really double click and then really embrace this idea of having this kind of common architecture, if you will. Blake, as you're saying that you're starting to see people realize, is a lot of your job today still educating folks? Because there's so many legacy processes. There's so much legacy technology in manufacturing. I can imagine, and I've had some conversations with folks who are like, yeah, we just don't know where to start, right? The little head scratch of like where, and it feels so overwhelming. So is one, education still a big part of just what you're having to do today so that we can get to that modernization of tomorrow? And And, and if so, what are one or two of the areas, and I'll get all three of you to share this, what are one or two areas that you're finding you're trying to educate the most? And then I do want to get into some of these case studies stories, because I think that's going to really shed some light here. But Blake, you first. Yeah, I, look, I, I, it's a great question. I think we, um, maybe the way I would answer that is slightly different, right? It's not so much educating as it is, as it is helping OT and IT organizations hold hand in, in these projects together. Um, you hear a lot about this friction between IT and OT, and the reality is, is they just... It's not that there's uh, animosity between one or the other, maybe not in all cases, but for the most part, everybody wants to work together. They just speak different languages, right? I think the, you know, the, 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 when we talk about having a single source of truth and, and having all of this information and data available to all parts of the organization, that's where IT, organization, IT organiz, organizations or digital transformation organizations, whatever you want to call them, they they typically are the ones that are staffed up with data scientists that are solving big problems first, right? But typically the OT organizations are the one that extract the most value. I would say probably the most nascent technology today outside of some corner cases for like say industrial visual inspection is just com the computer vision um, spectrum altogether. 
um, where it used to take, you know, a, a, a highly specific and specialized camera to perform visual inspection on a part. You know, these things are twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar cameras that have local compute that, you know, they they perform one job really well um, over and over and over again. What we're starting to see is is you know now with modern computer visual or excuse me computer vision applications and software development kits that folks like Nvidia help us with. Um, that you know, the, the, the kind of the art of possible becomes a reality, right? And that they start to look at every camera in the facility now as a sensor, you know, a source of data, right? Uh, which further adds to, you know, that opportunity to optimize and improve. Um, so that, that is certainly at, at the top of my list. It's probably a top three in every single uh, you know, customer advocacy uh, group that, w- that we host or sponsor. Zihan, what about you? I also take... Uh an ecosystem approach, especially spending my time with uh, OTSIs, what we call operational technology system integrators. The reason is that um, while we we take uh, uh, we talk to LHAs, Lighthouse accounts, we don't usually don't have a bandwidth to talk to every single manufacturer, especially a long tail. But OTSIs, they are at the front line talking to many uh, manufacturers, right? We, Lenovo and we, provide computing technologies uh, with uh, connection. There are camera suppliers, there are software suppliers. By the end of the day, it's an, it's an OTSIs who put together everything and deliver to the end customer. So they're at the front line. So I spend a lot of time talking to those OTSIs, try to enable them. And uh, there are t- uh, several ways we can work with them. Um, depending on their interest and on their our in, uh, capabilities as well as end customer's interest, either they, they can uh, develop those uh, algorithms in, in-house, leveraging some of the uh, SDKs that we provide, or that in that way they own the IP and they can expand to other similar projects. The second approach is that they can work with uh, ISV independent software vendors that we all have so they can get market-ready solutions and uh, get uh, continuous innovation from the software vendor, right? And the third uh, way is that they can always uh, hire third-party solution delivery partners, SDPs, where for, uh, to, to deliver their expertise developed for them. So there are different ways we can we can leverage and work with those OTS as enable them to go to market with us uh, as a, a hyperscaler type of engagement. Ryan, is it the big aha moment when some of the customers you talk to start seeing there is an ecosystem, there is uh, you know Lenovo hardware that is certified with Nvidia processors, uh, that we've got this ecosystem of the software out there, and and a, a connection can bring it all together. Is that that aha moment? They're like, okay, so we actually can do what we want to do. Yes, I, I think um, as both my peers have stated, there's a lot of economically feasible and value added. Uh, use cases out there that are already in existence, right? It's uh, and as Blake kind of indicated with camera vision, you know, camera vision is an extension of something manufacturers have been using for decades around machine vision, right? Taking really ultra bounded and expanding that to the idea of hey, I could have a camera with edge compute and handle many different vision models across one camera and solving a wide range of of 
technical and business challenges. So I think uh, I think there is an aha moment, and it does, as Zihan said, take an ecosystem of partners across that technical stack and and the uh, discern and implementation phases to make it possible. But the reality is that you know some of these use cases we can deliver in, in very short order because because of the practical nature of it and and how common uh, and how common it is to implement these. So there's there's a lot of things that we can do today that bring immediate value to an organization that create that muscle memory, whether we're talking about artificial intelligence or CAE or digital twins or some of the other solution sets that are uh, focused on out there, bring that muscle memory, get the confidence at the leadership and at the uh, mid and lower organization levels that these things can make our business better and deliver the KPIs and outcomes we're looking for. And I think as organizations go through that journey, they only accelerate their adoption of these technologies and scale it out across the organization. And that's ultimately what we're talking about when we think about Industry 4.0 and that smart manufacturing journey is you've got to start with areas that are meaningful and have impact to your business. Um, and then you you look for ways that you can accelerate that adoption. And I think as soon as people start to realize that this is something they can do today and it's not just something that they read about and wish for, um, you know, we're going to start seeing our manufacturing trade here in the U.S. Uh, be more effective and organizations adopting more of these technologies. The goal of this conversation, we had a couple in mind, folks, when we were thinking about it. One is to right, scratch the surface give you some idea of the awareness of the challenges out there. And then as Ryan said, right, there are opportunities for you to reach out uh, and connect with the connection team and NVIDIA and Lenovo and learn more about some of the things that can be done. Uh, connection.com slash manufacturing. For more information, uh, we'll give you some more contact at the end as well. But what I want to do now uh, about halfway through our conversations is transition over. One of the other things that we had wanted to do is we thought, hey, this is a, a journey. And so can we share with some of you examples of these product lifecycle journeys that have been modernized. And so I uh, was able to come up with kind of two examples, one for research and development, one on the production side of the house. Ryan, maybe what you could do is just set up at the highest of levels uh, why we kind of picked these two examples. Maybe it's just because ultimate outcome that they they were successful because, hey, uh, no one wants to hear a case study that goes down in flames, but give us a little setup. And then I want to let the three of you kind of go through these and share the the examples of kind of what was the organization dealing with? How did they go through it? How did our teams that represent here uh, help them? And then ultimately kind of what the end goals were. So give us a, the higher level setup that is needed. I, th- I think one of the first examples is the idea of using computer-aided engineering uh, to transform how we design products and bring them to market. And, you know, I think Xeon can talk to this in, in depth in terms of fundamentally what's happening behind the scenes. But, you know, at the end of the day, oftentimes, you know, traditional de- traditional design, new product introduction and, and production, you know, is a complex set of manual activities, oftentimes with physical prototypes and testing and stress factors. And I think, you know, what we're seeing is that computer-aided engineering in combination with simulation is radically changing how we go about that process. So, you know, regardless of what industry you're in, whether it's automotive or you're building bikes, um, the idea of not having to to create a physical prototype uh, and put it under duress or crash it or any of these things in those really early stages allows you to kind of uh, do that process or simulate that process digitally many times 
before you ever get to that point. And so that means when you do get to the point of creating a physical prototype and moving it through that process, you've already flushed out a lot of the likely challenges that you would face. You've just done that much, much sooner. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, there are other, there are other ch- solutions like in production where we think about uh, product inspection. And, you know, Blake talked about this, the idea of, you know, we, we talked about how organizations are, are wildly uh, under pressure. They have a lack of workforce. If we're bringing in new workers, they oftentimes don't have the, the same tenure and experience when it comes to things like in-process inspection and quality control. So, you know, leveraging camera vision uh, to augment the workforce, especially when, you know, even if you have the best resources in an organization, there's still, you know, we're still human, right? And if you're working people, you know, eight, 12 hours a day, they're going to miss things at whether it's supplier inspection, production inspection, or escapes to the customer. And so the idea that we wrap this uh, or, 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 you know, high cost events like supplier corrective actions with camera vision uh, for things like product inspection or quality control, you know, these can have huge benefits to an organization. Zihan, it is Trek bicycles manufacturing. I think we all know them. If we uh, watch uh, races on TV like the Tour de France, we know about Team Trek. Uh, many of us might have had Treks in the past like I did. I don't anymore, but uh, I did. Let's talk about uh, research and development and, and this story here and, and how, uh, again, all these teams kind of help them on one of their modernization efforts. Yeah, glad to. And Trek Bicycle, I think their objective is to uh, lower the weight uh, by uh, by redesigning the the shape of the bicycle and also reduce uh, aerodynamic drags uh, to basically to to help athletes improve their uh, speed, right? And uh, in a typical product design simulation cycle, there are two major workloads. First is design, and the other is simulation. Um, a lot of uh, the design workloads are done in software such as uh, the SoSoftWorks, uh, Katia, or uh, Autodesk uh, Inventor. Right, all, those are all GPU started. They design this and they render the the object to see how it looks like and the, it's a good shape. And uh, with GPU acceleration, uh, they accelerated rendering by 12 times from two hours to just 10 minutes. So it's a, it's a, it's a saves um, quite a lot of time. So initially the, the engineer probably needs to take a nap to see the results. Now it's just a, it's a cup of coffee to, to see the result immediately and to make modifications to the geometries and do the inter, interactive processes, right? After they're good with the design, then what they usually do is they funnel this uh, design into another code. Usually it's a CFD, uh, computational fluid dynamics code. Uh, in this use case, they used uh, uh, Siemens uh, Team Center uh, CCM Plus, which is a highly GPU accelerated code. And they can simulate the aerodynamics uh, around the bicycle and around the athlete to analyze how they can improve the design further. And with GPU, they achieved uh, uh, four to five times speed up compared to a 128 core CPU server. That's a huge improvement in 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 uh, delivery speed, and also it also saves them t- uh, their uh, hardware costs in terms of investment and. Uh, uh, I think Blake also mentioned the TCO total cost of ownership because GPUs are not only 
cheaper compared to the 128 core CPU, but it uh, consumes less energy for the user to run. So that's just an example uh, we published in our blog recently, uh, describing how Track Bicycle really leverages CAD and CAE in their uh, bicycle development. All right. So let's do this, Blake. I want to move over to you again, continue our kind of storytelling here. There we just hear how NVIDIA helping Trek on that early stage, the planning and the uh, computer aided design and all that. What about then when a, uh, a manufacturer is ready to get into that early stage of actually manufacturing some of the physical items? Uh, what are you seeing on, on that end? And how is Lenovo helping a certain automotive manufacturer? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question and a good good example. Uh, I'm actually just fresh off of having spent a few days with a uh, a large automotive OEM uh, where we got to not only witness some of what Zion was talking about, and of course, you know our, our customers uh, know and recognize the power of leveraging Lenovo workstations powered by NVIDIA GPU to gain all this efficiency and speed around not only just the uh, research, but and research and development. Then also, whenever they go to test, right? Because there's also there's always the simulation, but then there's always you know uh, the actual crash test, right? And I don't mean uh, <laughs> literally, but when it comes to printing parts, so I'll give you an example. Additive manufacturing is this you know hot new trend in 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 uh, in, in testing, right? So uh, one of the examples they have is in this large automotive OEM, you might have. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, 10 different design groups focused on 10 different uh, vehicles, right? Concept designs where they're testing airflow. Uh, they might be testing, you know, uh, different composite parts on the, the body of the vehicle where they've done some of this computer uh, aided design work. Now, when it comes to actually trying to fit parts, so you think about uh, designing for manufacturing, this is where, you know, kind of the power of the, the accelerated edge comes into play. And one of the examples is, is that in these, they're kind of like small farms, if you will, of what we would, you know, uh, they're, they're really no more, no less than a, a, a 3D printer, right? It's a polymer printer, but they're on steroids. So all of us have seen the ones that sit on the hobbyist desks. Uh, you know, these things probably weigh six tons and they take up, you know, uh, at least the size of a, a, a small vehicle, right? Um, so in this scenario, um, not only does this customer leverage its computing products uh, from Lenovo to uh, virtualize every single one of the uh, the jobs, if you will, that get sent and or they, they're orchestrated to all of these different printing machines, but that very same system that is actually commissioning the jobs is also being fed a live video feed of the actual printed parts as they're being printed. And one of the challenges around additive manufacturing is that typically um, when something goes wrong, it goes catastrophically wrong. And, it, you know, unless you have one person standing at every machine knowing that, you know, maybe a feeder head is clogged up or maybe uh, the table's out of spec for some reason, you end up with a, an eight hour job that's a complete waste of all the resources and time. So in this scenario, not only are they uh, scheduling the jobs in a virtualized platform uh, to all of these 3D printers, but on the flip side of it, they're actually monitoring it using computer vision. Um, doing and comparing the computer-aided design that was fed into the system to the actual printed part. So you can imagine, you know, how much efficiency is, is gained by being able to quickly identify when, hey, maybe this build went wrong, right? 
um, and ultimately speeding up the time to market uh, so they can get a test fit out to the test track and then start running the, you know, the real world scenarios. Um, this is one of the things I love about kind of this early phase of manufacturing is we get to kind of blend those two worlds that we just talked about. And then let's move to the later stage, Zion, back to you in terms of when we're finally ready for production. And this ties to, uh, again, I think we've kind of alluded to some uh, uh, product inspection time. Uh, Pegatron is the final company that we're going to reference here. Uh, yeah, this is another uh, client we worked with, and uh, it's also uh, published on our blog. And so this is uh, actually a next step to Blix Point. It's a mass production uh, just give you a sense, they, have, they manufacture electronics components and the products where, uh, and they're based in Taiwan. And uh, they actually need to inspect 10 million images per day. Um, imagine, it's, it's not be, it cannot be done by human labor and without any error. So that's why where they implement uh, computer vision or machine vision uh, deep learning-based machine vision technologies to really inspect all the components, and especially on their PCB board where where they have like very small, tiny objects and uh, wires, right? And uh, using computer deep learning-driven computer vision, they can catch 60 more percent effects than a typical typical human being, and uh, it not only improved their throughput. And it saves their cost and it improves their our product quality, which always lead back to the revenue and uh, the avoidance of uh, returns and the repair costs, right? So it's a huge cost saving. Uh, that is just the phase one using deep learning based uh, inspection solutions. And um, they're also trying to leverage um, what we call SDG, synthetic data generation. So actually before they, before they need to train the deep learning model with actual images, right, thousands of images. But now, using synthetic data generation, they can actually produce this training data on a computer. And they can do all types of ray tracing, photorealistic training images, missing this part, missing that part, and the misplacement of the part, another part. And they can, they can do the variations and it generates in a very fast time um, period and using that to train the model, and also of course, of course, they are also leveraging digital twin to build the digital twins of their equipment, like uh, AOI machines, and uh, eventually the whole factory, where they can do all types of uh, improvement and uh, incident and predictions and reactions, and be prepared for any uh, uh, disruptions in the in the production, and uh, yeah. So that's uh, how they're currently using uh, deep learning solutions in mass production and, uh, and the future plan for, for uh, electronics manufacturing and potentially for every manufacturer. Brian, I want you to help us kind of start wrapping up this part of the conversation because, again, we want this to continue with our listeners and the Connection team and, of course, our partners at NVIDIA and Lenovo. But uh, as we had said earlier, there are challenges out there. We have some older processes, some manual processes. Part of, part of modernization is to digitize those, is to speed them up, find where the inefficiencies are and get more efficient, also get more innovative. The three examples here of uh, you know the R&D side, then early stage manufacturing, and then final stage and getting product out there. 
each one of Zihan and Blake threw out a couple ideas of some percentage savings. You add those up from those different uh, sequences of the manufacturing process, and those can be big savings for organizations. That's what the whole goal of modernization is. That's doing it on uh, certified technology. It's having leadership from a, a partner like Connection to help uh, you know bring learnings from others that have gone before and bring them to those that are doing their part of the journey now. What are, is that a good summation? And what do you want to add there in terms of a couple of takeaways? No, I think you're spot on. I think we've talked about some really unique examples of adopting smart technologies and manufacturing. But hey, at the end of the day, it's all about applying the latest technologies that we've discussed and some of the advancements in in areas like artificial intelligence, those, those which are feasible and realistic today. And applying that across the value stream, you've heard us talk about it, R&D, MPI, production. Uh, I don't think we really got into, you know, deeply into supply chain and logistics and customer experience and, and even topics like generative AI. But all of these, you know, have the ability to take hours or days out of these value steps in these highly paid employees positions or, or where we can't fill positions today because we simply can't attract the talent <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, as we've sort of illustrated, it's all about producing better proc- products, bringing those products to market faster and doing it in a way that's better than our competition to create market differentiation. And, and that's what this is all about. Um, and, you know, we've done these things for decades in manufacturing with small incremental improvements. Um, and I think we're just seeing so many technologies coalesce at the same time underpinned with all the latest advancements in GPUs and certified solutions from companies like Lenovo. And together, that's just driving us towards our ultimate goal at a faster rate than we've ever seen before. And isn't that the the real definition of where we find ourselves time-wise is that, you know, uh, you know, 4.0. I mean, that next great industrial uh, revolution, manufacturing revolution. And uh, again, as you said, Ryan, there's a whole lot uh, that you can't get to in a 35-minute conversation, but uh, there are a lot of other examples. There are other conversations to be had. So we want to make sure that all of you stay in touch with the Connection team, connection.com slash manufacturing. Of course, you can talk to Ryan and his team. They can pull in partners like Lenovo and NVIDIA to really discuss what are you your needs. Where are you on your journey? Where do you want to get to? And then bring the learnings that these three teams have had with others to really help jumpstart your uh, process in that journey. And again, it's a journey. It doesn't end right? Trek is going to continue to uh, move forward. The manufacturer in the auto industry continue to move forward, right? They, they attain some goals and then they look for those next areas of innovation and savings and all. So uh, with that, folks, we're going to wrap up this Connection Tech Experience podcast. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, Blake, Ryan, and Zihan, thanks for your time, folks. On behalf of Connection, NVIDIA, and Lenovo, James Hilliard here. Thanks for listening. And we do look forward to talking to you all down the road. Oh, 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 oh,